CD2 of 4. Question number 12. Favoritism of indicators. Gary, my name is Bill. Uh, I originally took the class. It will be last September. Took my retake uh, this past April. My question kind of shifts back into the technical arena and is actually in two parts. When you are already in a trade and you are looking at the indicators, is there a particular indicator that you look at more closely than the other indicators? Second part, when you look at the indicators as a whole, for example, the RSI, sometimes you will see 20, 40, 80. MACD, there, there's some numbers as well. What is the significance of those numbers? And how do they relate to the entry and exit from a trade? Okay. Um, when I'm in a trade, once I'm already in a trade, then I rely more heavily on the MACD lines for getting out of a trade. Um, if I'm profitable. And I say that um, because if I'm not profitable um, and, and everything starts going against me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and go, well, you know, MACD lines aren't so bad. I'm losing my butt, but MACD lines aren't so bad. I gotta go. If I'm not profitable, I gotta go. But if I'm profitable in the trade, I'm gonna wait on those MACD lines because you can get the Christmas cross to start doing a little bit of what I call ribboning, okay? You get the, the uh, stock RSI to do what I call ribboning, where you're getting a red and a green and a red and a green kind of going along as it's starting to go sideways a little bit, okay? But if the MACD lines are still going in that direction, you know, specifically if they're still, if they're still what I call relatively parallel going in that direction or even widening going in that direction, I'm just, I'm just gonna sit there and watch this thing go I'm not closing that trade. Now, all that said, once I get profitable, very profitable on a trade, I'm not going to let a lot of that profit back up waiting for that MACD to cross to get out of the trade. Uh, there's no sense of being up 10 and, and going, well, it's not going to cross until it's up 7, so I'm going to lose 3 waiting for it to cross. You know, once I'm, uh, once I'm up a lot, I, I'm going to just be happy with my chunk and get out of the trade. You know, I don't have to wait for it to cross. But if I'm profitable, if I'm up a couple of dollars and, it, and that MACD lines are still going that direction, everything else gets a little bit iffy, I'm going to wait and see what that MACD is going to do. If it starts coming a little bit closer together, then I may go ahead and leave that trade. But a lot of times, it'll just skinny up a little bit and keep right on going up. And that MACD will keep you in a trade that the other indicators would already have you out of the trade. So once I'm in the trade, the MACD becomes more important to staying in the trade, okay? Now, the numbers on the scale are relatively irrelevant, okay? And I say relatively ir irrelevant because we'll use the um, stock RSI as an example. Um, yes, you're you're always going to feel more comfortable, more confident 
in your trade if your indicators are very low on their scales, whatever their, their numbers are on the right-hand side. When they turn up to go up, you're going to feel more comfortable the lower they are. Okay, And the higher they are when they turn down, the more comfortable you are going to be about the, the fact that they're going down. But part of the reason that they are, they are not um, so much a part of what we do um, in the, the, the parabolic bull market of, of 98, 99, and, and early 2000, stock RSI as an example, would have been at 100, came down, started turning down at, and, and went down to like 90, and then turned back up at 90. And there were students that went, oh yeah, everything is crossing going up, but, but the stock RSI is so high. I'm, I'm not going to get in the trade. I mean, it can, it, I'm just not going to get in the trade. Stock went up $80 in five days. So you couldn't judge the, how far that was going to go because the stock RSI was at 90. You know, so you got to get in when everything's crossing going. You got to get in and go that way. Okay, different markets are going to cause that to be in, in this market now. If they're at 90 crossing going up. You might get two or three dollars, four dollars. Okay, you're not going to get eighty dollars, but there's going to come a time, probably 2008, 2009, when you're likely to be back in the market again, where you're seeing eighty dollars in a week, and that's going to be it's going to come down to ninety or ninety-five, and all turn up and go up. And if you're going, oh, it's so high on the scale, I'm not going to play, then you're going to be, she's going to be kicking your butt. Okay, because she, you're gonna. I, I didn't get in because it was at 90. She didn't go. Did you see them all crossing right there? Everything was crossing right there. You should have been in the trade, you know. And you can't get so focused on where they are on their scale that prevents you from getting in the trade. Okay, you're always going to feel more confident if they're low turning up to go up than if they're high turning up to go up. Okay, or high turning down to go down is going to feel better than low turning down to go down. But I had I had a student um, in uh, Virginia Beach that in the bear market saw that like the stock RSI was at 15 and turning over to go down, crossing going down, Christmas cross, stock RSI, MACD, directional indicator, all cross going down. But the stock RSI was at 15, so they didn't get into trade. I said. Why not? They said, well, it couldn't go much lower. I said, but what price was the stock? Well, $83. Stock fell to 40 That would have been a good put play. Okay? But they didn't play because it was so low on the scale. You can't, you can't judge the movement by where it is going to be on the scale. You're always going to be more confident if it's low going up or high going down. Okay? It's always going to be the case. But you can't just specifically say that there is no more room to go up because it's already up or there's no room to go down because it's already down. You've got to do when they're all crossing going, they're all going that way. And you have to learn to analyze the market conditions to determine what a trade may or may not do as far as how, how far the movement is and not where it is on that scale. So to, to, some, to, to some degree, it, it, it matters not, and then it, it does matter in the sense that you're going to have a greater sense of confidence if they're low turning up or, 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 or high turning down if you're going into put play. But it isn't, it isn't about the numbers. Um, 
And something else I want to make sure that you guys get, because one of the Raleigh students, just, just this past class, um, the wife was taking the class. The husband was staying at home with the children. Um, and the husband had been telling her how to do this. And then she's taking the class. And she said, you know, my, my practices aren't going well. I said, okay. She said, I just... Um, I, I never have a fat pitch or home run fat pitch. I said, well, show me. And she, she brings me her, 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 her sheets, her charts. And her husband told her that when I said crossing going up was the MACD lines, the red and the green lines, crossing the midpoint line of the MACD scale. That ain't got nothing to do with it. It's the lines crossing each other. And she said, do you mean to tell me when they crossed right there, going up right there, that, that line, look, you go through that cross, went through that cross, went through it. That was the whole month that bitch. I said, that was it. She said, I'm killing him. She said, when you see it on the news tonight, it was me. <laughs> yeah. But it, it wasn't about that midpoint line. Her husband had assumed it was the MACD lines, or the comb lines, the histogram lines, flipping over. That wasn't the entry point. You missed the entry point. The entry point was when the lines themselves crossed, not when histogram flipped over from below the line to above the line. You know, it was when the lines cross. It was where the lines cross. So it really isn't about the scale. You know, um, you're going to have more confidence below you know, if it's going up or, or uh, above going down. But it, it, it isn't solely about the scale at all. It isn't. It's about if they're all crossing, they're crossing. And it's about learning to gauge the movement of the market at any time of the year or, or any type of market that we have to determine, you know, crossing going up at 90 is going to get you a dollar in the summertime market coming up that that same crossing going up in 2009 will get you ten dollars. You know, it's the market, not the not the scale. Question number thirteen: Where to draw trend lines? My name is Trish, and I just uh, finished the class in April in Raleigh. And um, my question is: How do you suggest drawing trend lines? How do you know exactly which candle to start with and which candle? to end with. Okay, that's a great question for a new student. Um, first of all, trend lines are only drawn, um, first of all, in the trading zone that you're in. So that always eliminates, you know, two-thirds of the year constantly, okay? You're only interested in what's it doing right now. You're trading, not investing, okay? Then it becomes a, a, a part of... Um, practice and understanding of the market, it's determining um, by the trading zone the length of time you expect to play to last. Fall winter trading zone, we know that it's going to be on a daily chart typically and the trade is going to likely to last for days turning into weeks. Okay, it could be even a month to six weeks or more. Okay, on a trade. So you're going to be much more tolerant of some ups and downs and you're expecting to, on purpose, draw a flatter trend line because of that trading zone. Okay? In the summertime market, if you're in a trade for four days, you've been in a lifetime. Okay? 
So you're going to be expecting to draw much sharper, steeper trend lines. It's going to be much, much, much more like a, a, the teeth of a, the, of a saw, you know, very quickly up and down. And it will almost have to be on shorter charts to get quality trend lines. Because, again, if you're looking at a weekly chart, two weeks in one direction would be huge in the summertime. So you couldn't get a good, I mean, that's not a good trend line. Then you're going to get a red candle there, and now you're going to get another red candle, and now you get a white candle, and then a red candle, and a white candle. That's why we have to go maybe to the daily more of our trend chart. So we get four or five days up in a row for a trend. You know, two weeks would be a long, long time. So it really becomes a function of the length of time expected in a play, knowing that we're trying to contain our uh, trend line to the specific chart that we're on, or the trading zone that we're in, and then the chart that we're on. Daily charts you know, are going to be more of a trend chart at this time of year, okay? And so we're going to see trend lines drawn on that, but we can also draw those trend lines on a 233, on a 55, on a 34-minute chart, but we're going to expect a long trade now to last four days. So we're going to expect steeper trend lines and much more frequently drawn trend lines in this trading zone. In the summer, I mean, in the fall-winter trading zone, we're likely to draw one very much flatter trend line that might last for weeks, being much more um, tolerant of four or five days that are going up a lot, expecting it to back up, but we're not going to draw up that trend line because we're going to expect to be in the play for days turning into weeks, not trying to play for these five days. Okay, So it really becomes, there isn't any, there, any single chart you can draw hundreds of trend lines on, okay? But it's about realizing what trading zone you're in, the length of time you expect a trade to last will determine what trend line you expect to draw. Okay. And there, there are lots of times when people come up in the fall winter trading zone and I've got a long, flatter trend line. They come up, well, what about these five days? You could draw a trend line right there. Uh, yeah, and I would have if that was July. But because it was October, I wasn't going to draw up that trend. Yes, you get in the trade right there and out right there, but I'd rather be in right there out up here over three months than to be in and out, out of your five days. Trend lines would have been the same. Trend zones changed the way I drew the trend line. And it's, it's, it really comes down to that point, understanding the trend zone that you're in, the length of time you expect a trade to last within that trading zone, and then drawing it accordingly. Question number 14, waiting on the action chart. The next question I have is, if you're looking at getting into a widows and orphans trade, and you're going to be using the daily chart as a decision chart, it's after 11.45, and you, you see an obvious home run fat pitch, and you, you know from the news and everything you know about the stock that it's not going to back up and drop below that, by the close. One thing I'm not sure about is when you change to the 21-minute action chart. It says that the candle closing switch, mm -hmm. the way I interpret that, that means you would have to wait until the end of the day, which means you'd have to wait till the next day. That's correct. 
So if <laughs> is there is there any would there be any exception to that? No. Okay. There would be no exception. <laughs> Question number fifteen: Number of post-split stocks to follow for widows and orphans. When you're um, doing widows and orphans post-split trades, how mm -hmm. many stocks should you be following? In other words, if, if you question. follow about 30 for earnings, do you follow a separate well, number? Well, it's going to be a separate number, but there isn't a specific answer to your question because it really, the, the number of stocks puts available to you will change depending on market conditions. Right now, uh, all of you that are new, you're looking at, at stocks puts in any one month, there, there's 20 right now, okay? And you're going, wow, look at all these to choose from. In the middle of the bear market, there wasn't but six. Out of the six, two were optionable. So there was only two to choose from. So you're, you're, there isn't an easy answer to your question. There's this many to look at. If I said 10 and there's only two, now what are you supposed to do, make up the others? You know? So it, it, is, it is going to be upon, uh, dependent upon what the market is allowing you to look at. And then it's, it's about learning the quality of a stock. And I say that not, not being, um, not wanting to sound derogatory, this, this stock isn't worth owning, it isn't worth um, investing in, but does it what? Move. If the stock doesn't move, then it isn't going to make us any money in the first place. It doesn't mean that it isn't a worthy stock to own, but it, it, it isn't going to make us money in the movement. So it's, it's over time about scrolling through, mentally scrolling through that list and choosing the ones that move well and then putting them in your list to look at. I think a better answer to your question is the length of time I spend post-split looking at a stock. If it's not a stock that I constantly look at, it's got a six-week window to give me an opportunity. After six weeks, it's off my list as far as doing a post-split post split with his Northern straight. Post-split, it's got six weeks to give me an opportunity to do the trade. After the six weeks, if it's not a stock that I constantly look at, I'm not looking at it anymore. It's just off the list. You know, and it doesn't make any difference to me what happens to it after that point. There are going to be other stocks that I'll be looking at, that I'll be trading at that point in time. This stock can go, it can double or triple at this point. You can't, you can't keep a stock there indefinitely. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a list of 100, 150 to look at. So you have to have some kind of criteria that causes you to be done with this particular stock. And um, mine is six weeks. It's got six weeks. I'm done with it. You know, and if it's not a stock I normally look at, it's, it's toast. And it's gone. I don't care what happens. You can look at it. You can trade it. I'm, I'm going to be done with it because there are other stocks that are going to be also splitting that may actually end up being better trades in the first place. You know, so it's got a six-week window. Uh, and I, I just cull through the list, picking out the stocks that, that I personally know move well or I know the sector is moving well. I focus on those. When, I'm, when they've split, they've got a six-week window. And if they haven't given me an opportunity, then they're, they're done. 
you know, and they're out there. And once I'm in a trade, I trade it for what's there. And if, if I'm if I'm doing a widow's Norfolk trade on a post split stock that is moving well and allows me to to get called out and is backing up, allows me to get back in and do it. Again, I may do that two or three times. But the idea is I'm going to enter that first trade within six weeks after the stock split or that stock out of the viewing basket, and, and I, I'll never look at it again unless it comes up on an earnings play or, or a stock split play. It, it'll, it'll be done. I'll, I'll never see it again. I'll never see it again. Question number 16, fighting the fear. I have a mindset question. Hmm. Um, I have noticed in the last couple of months, I mean, I, I have gotten a lot of this in my head, but I find that I'm really, I thought I would maybe struggle as a new person with the greed thing. And I don't seem to do that. I seem to struggle with the fear, fear part thing. of it. Yeah, and that's that? a much bigger and stronger struggle for me. I went and picked up Trading in the Zone, mm -hmm. and I'm now reading it for the third time. Mm -hmm. and, you know, have gone through a notebook of notes on it, and mm -hmm. it's helping we, me with that. Is that uncommon no. for a new person at this stage where I am? Well, typically all of you fight both fears at the same time, which is not fun. You know, <laughs> you know I'm greedy and I'm scared at the same time. Uh, you know, that's a really tough place. But my, my answer to the fear thing in the getting over it, um, define the fear a little bit for me. Fear of it's what? not working. Get out. You know, I it's get. It's not working. Get out. I, I get in a okay, position. It backs up two hundred and fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. I cut my losses. I got tons of small losses. Mm -hmm. And then it, but I don't, I'm not getting out. I'm getting out on price action and not on charts. Right. Then it becomes a. Tr you know, I have to learn to trust. You have to learn to the trust charts. the chart and and see. The point is, you shouldn't even see the price action. Right. And that's what I've come to realize in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I've done a good job of nailing my entries, right. but I'm bailing out. And so I got the greed because I take a $400 profit. I'm gone. Now, understand, there is a um, book. It's, it's way back on the book list. It isn't something for you guys to go seize on right now. But there's a book on the book list called Rule the Freaking Markets. Um, I couldn't even tell you the, the um, uh, author's name at this point. It isn't something to anybody to go run and look at right this minute. But he makes a real point in there, just one little paragraph, um, where he describes the market maker as working you to get you to get out of a trade. Mm -hmm. And his description of that was, was thinking about the summertime trading zone and how thin the market trades. You look at the option, the option price today, and you looked at your charts and you decided you were getting in this trade. The chart said to get in the trade. It was, we would say it was a call play. It doesn't make any difference, call or put. You got in the, in the trade. You know, trend, decision, action, everything was right. You got in the trade. Then you started watching the price of the options. Okay? Now, the market maker makes money when people trade. When people buy, when people sell, he makes the difference. He's, he's the bookie, if you were looking at it in that terms. Okay? He makes the spread. That's his money. Okay? It, what, what does Bob Pisani say all summer long? There's no what? Volume. If there's no volume, market maker's not making any money. You understand? There's no trading going on. He would like to make some money. He's got bills to pay like everybody else. Okay? So how does he create money? Okay? You bought into the trade to go up. Everything is fine. Charts are fine. Everything is right. You got in the trade. But you start watching the price. Mm -hmm. Bid price starts backing up. Mm -hmm. 
backs up some more, backs up some more, backs up. Right, right this second, you're standing at a 50% loss. Mm -hmm. you know, right this minute, what you're telling me is you're gone. Mm -hmm. And I may not be gone at that point, but if it comes well, back to close to where I can get but, even, but, I'm really gone. But, but you know, he's backing you down. He's backing you down to a point. Now now you have a 75% loss. If you don't get out now, you ain't going to have any money in this trade. Mm -hmm. You got to go, girl. You got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and, and people start vomiting up their trade. Mm -hmm. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Okay, And he, he's, he's buying them back out. You know, 75% loss, as many as want to go, he, he's getting them out. When he gets to a point where he can't get any more people to get out, he brings the bid price right back up where it was. Okay, but that, that's right. Now he starts raising the ask price. And the people that are not paying attention to charts, but are, or, or, or maybe they are paying attention to charts, but they're also looking at that, that ask price. That ask price is getting bigger, that ask price is getting bigger, that ask price is getting bigger. If I don't get this now, I, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss this trade. So, I mean, oh, it, oh, I got to get in. What, if, if, the, if it was a buck and a half by two, two on the ask and a buck and a half on the bid originally, and you sold at a 50 cent bid, mm -hmm. afraid it was going away, he wrote, he wrote it back up to a buck and a half bid, $2 ask, now it's 2.25, now it's 2.50, now it's 2.75, now it's three, and they're going, oh my gosh, I gotta get in this, because it's taken off, I gotta be in. What is he selling at three, the option he bought from you mm -hmm. at fifty cents. Mm -hmm. How much is he making? A ton. <laughs> Two fifty a share. Okay, he's buying it at three because this thing is going. I gotta have it. I got to have it. So he's giving the market maker three dollars. You let him have your thing for fifty cents. So he's selling your thing for fifty cents to him for three dollars. He's making two fifty. Okay, and both of you looking at the price. And at the end of the day, the bid price is a buck and a half, and the ask price is two dollars. Mm -hmm. The position has gone where? No. Nowhere. Mm -hmm. All day long. Mm -hmm. You lost money, and you lost money, because you're both looking at the price instead of the chart. Mm -hmm. The market maker's job is to make a market, okay? His objective is to take your money. Mm -hmm. You allow him to do that by paying attention to the price. Mm -hmm. You look at the price two times, when you buy and when you sell, mm -hmm. not while you own. Mm -hmm. Could you eliminate some of that fear just by adding, you said buy out in time. So if, for example, the market maker backed it up like you're saying and you kind of got freaked out, then if I bought myself some additional time, would it then turn around, Gary, just to make, and then I would get out when I, you know, well, the, the whole point is you shouldn't be seeing the price change anyway. Okay. That's like watching the candle instead of the indicator. That's exactly right. It's watching the price. Not, you know, it's watching the price move. It's not the, what's the indicator showing you? What's the indicator showing you? What is the indicator showing you? So when you say watch the chart, it's ultimately about watching the indicator. It's always about the indicator. It's always about the indicators. And it's about getting off the action chart. 
That's my you gotta get off the action truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's not about the price, it's about the indicators. What are the indicators showing you? What are the indicators showing you? What are the indicators showing you? And the, there's two prices, there's two times you look at the option price when you buy and when you sell. Period. And you shouldn't know. Now, so, well, if I'm in a trade for days and I'm filling out my, my tracking sheet, I got to look at it at the end of the day to fill out my action sh my, my tracking sheet correctly. Yes, but you got to look at it like you don't own it, because you're trading this on the indicators. You're tracking it by whatever the numbers are there. But it's it's about learning to be emotionally detached from the numbers. Um, the the point that I was asking you to, to clarify your fear. What a lot of you will do, um, a lot of students do, as far as their fear goes, you're going to get your butt kicked enough in practice that you're going to be, um, typically that's done by people trading too much, even in practice, trading crappy trades. And I don't mind you doing crappy trades as long as you've identified them as, this is going to be a crappy trade. You know, if it's a crappy trade, you've identified it as a crappy trade, you should have confidence that you've identified a crappy trade. And you probably won't do a crappy trade with real money. Um, and it's important to do that. But if, if that's the case, then you'll be confident in your ability to also recognize a good trade, and you'll do good quality trades with real money. Everybody understand? Okay? What happens to people is if they are not working at being correct, and they're just willy-nilly everywhere about what trades they're doing, they don't have any confidence in what they're doing when it comes time to trade real money, so they're afraid to get in. Okay? And if, they're, if somebody's afraid to get in, what I generally tell people to do is to pick an amount of money, literally, I'm not trying to be funny, that you could walk into the bathroom, put it in the toilet, and flush it. Wouldn't change your lifestyle at all. Wouldn't, you don't have to be happy about it, but you're not going to be broke by doing that, okay? And, and I'm not talking about um, $100, okay? I'm talking about a cumulative amount, okay? Let's say it's $1,000. You could, you could waste $1,000, wouldn't be happy about it, but the world isn't going to come to an end, okay? And then do like a $100 trade. Force yourself every day you have to do a trade. Get in, get right back out, so that you lose the commissions. So that you understand, there, there's no fear in hitting enter. You know, you just get over the fear of hitting enter. You know, what all of you that haven't traded real money before, the first time you trade real money, you hit enter, and you're like waiting for a choir to come down from heaven to go hallelujah. Ha, you know, nothing goes on. You know, you 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 looking outside for the ticker tape parade, and, and there's nothing going on. How come nobody's excited? I've hit enter today. The fact is, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. And so you you stop you you stop getting so emotionally charged up about oh my gosh I'm going to hit enter you know I've hit enter you know nothing happened nothing happened you know um, I mean not that I would advise you to do this but if you go down to the stop light down here wait till it turns red look both ways make sure there's not a cop round go through there guess what you're going to go through the intersection. You're not going to get hit by a car. It's illegal as it can be, but you're going to be on the other side of the intersection going away. Now, I wouldn't advise making a steady habit of that, okay? But the fact that you did it 
you know, it would lead to a confidence that you could, not that you should do that. You understand? Okay, and you got to get over the fear, whatever that is. Okay, if the fear's oh, hitting enter, well, hit enter on the amount of money that you could throw away to the point that, okay, I can hit enter now. Now let's make sure you're hitting enter on good trades. You know, um, I've got a student taking the RTP class. He has been in, uh, prior to taking RTP, up to taking RTP, though he had been trading real money, he'd gotten into a real freeze about hitting enter. You know? And so I said, okay, look, pick out an, an amount of money that you can throw away, you know, whatever it is, and then make sure that you do a trade today, every day, and lose the commissions. What I mean, what I meant for him to do was literally find a trade, get in, and get right back out. You've lost the spread, you've lost the commissions, but you hit enter. Yeah, get over it, get over it, get over it. And, and, and so then he started going, okay, if I can do a trade that makes my commissions, I will no longer be losing my commissions. You so he was doing that, and then he said, okay, if I, can, if I can do a trade that makes my commissions and my spread, then I'd just be breaking even. And he started doing that, he started doing that, started doing that. He said, well, if I can make that and that in 50 cents, and then he started doing that, and, and doing that every day, every day, every day, every day, and now he's back to the up bucking out thought process where he should be, and he's focused on doing good trades. A lot of the fear is getting in. Okay. The fear of getting out is almost always based upon price action. Instead of looking at indicators, looking at what's the price the option doing. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the market maker wants you to look at. So you, yeah. you get to choose. You get to choose. <laughs> yeah. Question number 17. Best use of limited time. My name is JC. I uh, took the class in Richmond, uh, just finished this past April, and got a question about time, meaning time of day. Um, very limited time, and you had mentioned earlier about the, the news being a bunch of noise. Mm -hmm. And so I've been struggling with, okay, do I give time to trying to get this news information in, or do I, what do I, what's the best use of my time, mm -hmm. given the, the lack of it right now? And we're talking about for doing your practice trades? Doing your practice. Mm -hmm. uh, you do what I told you to do anyway. Okay. Regardless of your time, um, the the point that and I'm gl so glad you asked the question because the the thing that students new students don't do that if I could change one thing that new students did or didn't do it would be to set a clock on themselves mm -hmm. to do page 19, 20, 21 yeah. in the manual. Mm -hmm. Okay, it must be done in 30 minutes or less. It must be done in 30 minutes or less. If you're taking 31 minutes, you're taking too long. Okay. Now, as a new person, you're probably going to take more than 30 minutes. But if you don't start with the determination to get it to 30 minutes or less, you'll let it be whatever it is. Your time is too valuable. Okay. It must be done in 30 minutes or less. Be more concise in what you put down there. It shouldn't take that long to, to write down what happened in the market today. If you look at the instructions for the journal as an example, it says every day you make an entry. Some days it'll be a single sentence. Occasionally it'll be a paragraph. 
once in a great while, it would be a whole page. Most of you write a whole page every day. Okay? It should be a sentence most of the time. You know, think about it as, um, do you watch ESPN at all? No. No? Watch ESPN? Um, well, the news works, too. Um, if, you, if, if you watch the, even, even the, the U.S. news or the, the local news, you know, uh, they tell you everything that went on today in 30 minutes. I mean, from sports, weather, U.S., world, everything in 30 minutes. With the commercials. With commercials, too. That is exactly right. Okay? The whole point is, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay? okay? It's get it done. Tell me what's important. Tell you what's important. But most of you get very, 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 very detailed about it. Okay? And you need what's important. Okay? Focus on 30 minutes. You can find 30 minutes in your day, okay? And you can find less than 30 minutes in your day, certainly, okay? It's 30 minutes or less. Start with that thought process and force it to get there. Force you to get it there. And you're the only one that can control that. It should be, and I hear students all the time, oh, it's taking me, it's taking me three hours, you know? <laughs> it's taking you three hours because you let it take three hours. It should be done in 30 minutes or less. And if it's taking you more than 30 minutes, you're writing too much stuff, you're writing too much detail, and you're not being specific enough. You know, bang. The whole, again, the journal for a day, for the market, most of the time should be a sentence. Okay? Two at the most. You know, once in a while, it'll be a paragraph. Once in a very great while, it'll be a whole page, okay? It should never be onto the next page, you know? It's, it's very much more concise, okay? The news is critical that you do those news plays, okay? I will not tell you what you're to learn there. There's lots of things you're going to learn there, okay? There's lots of things you're going to learn there. Now, if you do the news plays long enough correctly, you should be able to tell me the two things you're supposed to learn, okay? Um, I was at a Raleigh class. I don't do after hours anymore, but I was at a Raleigh class. We went after hours. There was six veteran students that, that uh, there was lots of folks that went, but there were six people that lasted kind of toward the end. And after all the new people were gone, I looked around the table and said, okay, all of you are veteran students. All of you have been doing this for a while. I want you to take a napkin and write on the napkin the two things you're supposed to learn from doing news plays. Put your initials to it, hand me the napkin. I have never told those students what you're supposed to learn. All of them had the right answer. Okay? You get the right answer if you've been doing the news plays correctly long enough. Okay? You'll learn a lot in doing it, but there's two things. I expect you to learn in doing it, okay? But I won't tell you what they are, okay? Because again, it goes back to, I can tell you, but you'll do better if you learn it by doing it, okay? Now, that said, and this isn't meant to be an enticement, just as part of the RTP class, everybody in the RTP class gets told, because I assume they've been doing the work anyway. So I asked them, what they're supposed to learn. Some of them know, some of them don't know, but all of them are told uh, in the RTP class. Um, but until then, you can get there without ever attending the RTP class if you'll do the work as instructed. But it should be 30 minutes, 
maximum amount of time. And only you can force it there. Okay? If you don't force it there, you're going to be like, you, you, if you got the voices of the arena CDs, you hear, oh, yeah, I'm so happy I got it down to 40 minutes. You ought to be beat for having it go to 40 minutes. Yeah, it didn't get it down to that. You should be beat for having it take 40 minutes. It should be completed, completely done in 30 minutes or less. Oh, you're writing too much stuff. You know, concise. Again, you, you hit, I mean, that was a great line. I'm going to use it from now on. You know, the, you know, the news, I, I use the news in 30 minutes, but they use commercials. So, yeah, commercials and all of the world's news in 30 minutes. You ought to be able to decide page 19, 20, and 21 in 30 minutes. That's the point. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. There's so much you're going to learn there from doing it um, that is helpful in the training leg and the wizard's office leg and in the vault. You know, there's so much to learn there. So, yeah, you have to do those. Question number 18. Tools needed before hitting enter. My name is Rosa, and I'm from Northern Virginia. And um, we did some trading before the class started. Mm -hmm. So we felt comfortable with that. But once we realized all the tools that we need to have in place, we were afraid to push enter. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I was wondering. That's reasonable, just so you understand. That's very reasonable. And I was wondering, uh, I don't know, I like to have everything lined up before I get it done. Mm -hmm. Like I need to, you know, have my um, cue charts and my radio, satellite radio, mm -hmm. and all these things. But usually when we get ready to push in, we don't have any of that stuff together. Which mm -hmm. main tools should I have in place when I get ready to push enter? Um, you got to have your indicators. Okay. That's all you got to have. That's all I have. Okay, okay, good. The only one other piece of information that you must know. Must know. Okay. Is what? When is earnings release date? Okay. Okay. Everything else is nice to know. Those indicators being there and knowing when earnings release date is. Okay. Is need to know. Okay. You got trend, decision, action. Okay. Your indicators. Okay. When is earnings release date? Everything else is just nice to know. That's what's need to know. Okay. Um, there are lots of days. Um, I'll have the the TV on out there in the office. Um, all of you that were out there, you saw where the computers are set up. The TV is on the wall behind me. I'll have it on mute all day long. So I didn't know anything that happened. Hmm. It was indicators okay. and knowing when the earnings release date is. That's, I gotta know. I won't do a trade without knowing those things. Okay? Everything else is nice to know nice stuff. To know. Okay? That's critical. That's critical. Um, everything else is just nice to know. Okay. That was a great question. Thank great you. question. Question number 19, significance of moving averages. I have a question about uh, charting, looking at the trends. I think I pretty much understand how to use the Bollinger Bands and what the significance is, and I look at those, but I've really been ignoring the 2050, the 200-day or 200-period moving average. I just wanted to understand how significant those are and what you use them for. Um, they are significant in that, first of all, we have to realize that their, their order of power, 20 is weakest, 50 is the, the, the next in, in order of strength, and then the 200 is the strongest. They are support 
or resistance lines. Okay, if the price is below them, when they get up to those, they're going to be resistance. They're going to be resistance on any chart that they're on. Um, if the price is above them and the price is falling, they're likely to be a support. Okay. You would expect, uh, again, if the price was above those, the, the 2050 and 200, um, as it fell down, we'll say it hits the 21st, the 20 is the weakest, but you would still expect it to be some support there. So it wouldn't be surprised if it was falling and it hit, we'll say we're looking at the daily chart, and during the day that candle was forming red and it hit that 20 period moving average line, which would be the center of our Bollinger Bands, okay, it would instantly put a wick up right there, okay? Now, that doesn't mean it won't crash right on through there, but for this minute, we would expect it to hit there and start a wick back up as a support area. We would expect that to take place, okay? Looking at the indicators, the indicators could, you know, the stock RSI, the MACD, the Christmas cross, they're all headed down. If they're widening up at that point, I'm just, I would bet you my net worth, it's going to it's gonna bounce up a little bit, causing that wick, and then it's going to smash right on through that 20, making a red candle again. Uh, I had a student the other day called it eating its tail of the candle, just eating it as, it as it continues to form a red candle. Going down and then hitting the 50, 50 is now going to be a little bit stronger. It might, it might stay there, and the next, the, the, that, that red candle might close right there today, okay? Looking at the indicators, the indicator still is still gapping wide open going down. Tomorrow might open up off of that 50, and then eat that white candle turning it into a wick as it continues and now falls through there. It is a support line. It is a resistance line. That's all I use them for, okay? If, if it's coming to that place, I'm expecting support if it's falling to it. If it's going up to it, I'm expecting it to hit its head on the ceiling. And understanding 20 is the weakest. It's going to, it's, it's, um, could it could even be? Um, uh, I've described it as a paper wall. You know, a, you know, a, a paper wall. I've, I've never been to uh, Japan or the Orient at all, but you know, uh, the, you know, the old traditional homes had had paper walls. Okay, well, close the paper wall. Well, do you understand that paper wall is only a wall if you respect it as a wall? You know, if you want to walk through there, you just walk through there, you know. Well, that's kind of what that stock does, you know, to the 20 a lot of times. It'll, 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 it'll bump up against it, and it'll just bust right on through there because it's the 20. When it gets to the 50, you know, there, there's more of a wall there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be stronger, okay. Doesn't mean it can't go through, but it's going to take a little bit more doing to get there. 200 is very strong. And it is, it is more likely to have a bounce instantly take place right there. That doesn't mean that it's not going to go through there. It's about looking at the strength of the indicators at that point. If those indicators are still gapped and going down, it's going to bounce up, like gain some momentum, and take another run at it. Typically, just a rule of thumb. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't engineering science. Okay. Just a rule of thumb that when you get to, especially the 200 and the 50, sometimes on the 20, but 250, you're going to make two or three attempts at it before you actually go through it. 
typically, if it didn't go through it on the third attempt, it's going to bounce the opposite direction hard. Okay? But it's just used as support and resistance lines. And I don't pay any attention to them until the candles are approaching them. And then I'm going to expect pause at those areas. And the strength of the pause or bounce away from it is dependent upon the strength of the 20, the 50, or the 200, depending on where we are. Question number 20. Clarification of practice trades. I want to get back to the, um, the homework piece of it. Okay. And, um, I found your success email, your first um, that I got, educational inclusion, incredibly helpful for doing the homework. Good. It made it so much more, just it cut my time down by hours. Good. So Good. I, I made a copy of it and brought it. Good. I don't know if you got this. It, it's yeah, everybody's on, everybody that's on the success email got it. Now, see, it would be a okay. good thing for everybody to be on the success email, wouldn't it? It made all the difference for me in doing good. the homework. Outstanding. So I love that. But I have a question about that. Okay. Um, where you say you must find two fat pitch, home run fat pitch, um, you must find it using any stock, and next you watch, you want to identify eight trades. Is this just looking at it and saying, okay, I see it. This is home run fat pitch, you know, and this isn't, or do you actually want us to go and do a practice trade I want you to do a that? practice trade on two a week that are fat pitch or home run fat pitch. It can be on any stock. Okay. Okay. The point is, if you think about that, that means you're only practicing being right on two trades in a week's time. A trade, you're supposed to be practicing anything that's not a fat pitch that you've identified. This isn't a fat pitch. It shouldn't work. This is why. So you're, you're practicing identifying what won't work four times more than you're practicing what will work. Okay. Identify what wouldn't work and then go and do a and do a practice trade, trade on, on those and, and, and verify that it didn't work. You were right. It didn't work. Okay. Identify a fat pitch or home run fat pitch. Do a practice trade on those and follow that through, you know, up a bucking out for new students. You know, I was right on that. This is why. Okay. That gets you 10 trades and then 30 news plays. That's your 40 trades a week. The reason that you're only really working on being right on two. Uh, or being uh, um, financially right on two, understand if, if the eight trades don't work, you're right. You've identified them as they shouldn't work. Everybody understand? Yes? 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 Okay. Don't view that as practicing losing money. You're practicing being correct because there are far more trades that aren't trades than there are those that are good trades. You've got to identify that fast. This isn't a trade. That's why you practice more of those identifying this won't work because identifying that and doing it and you know I'm buying calls. I shouldn't be buying calls because only only the stock RSI indicator is turning up. Everything else is going down but I'm buying calls I shouldn't be buying calls because only one indicator's there. They're all not there. But I'm buying the calls because I'm doing this. I don't expect these calls to work because all the indicators are not going up. And a day later, you're going to be down money on that. And you're going to go, I was right. I, I would have lost money on that. And you'll never do that trade with real money. But if you don't practice that, there's going to come a time.
when you're going to go, I don't think those indicators mean anything, but that stock our side is turning up and I'm going to get in that trade. And you're going to lose money on that trade unless you've practiced enough of those to know you're not touching that trade. So yes, you're identifying the trade, home run fat pitch or fat pitch that will work and you do a practice trade on that. Okay? okay, It can be on any stock for any reason. It doesn't have to be on the, th the, the three that you watch all the time. It can be on a stock split. It can be on, uh, on, on I, I want you to not use news so much because you're already doing news plays. It should be on a chart just scroll, scrolling through and found one. Okay, here's when I'm going to do this. Okay, it, doing this trade. Fat pitch trades, home run fat pitch trades are going to work the vast majority of the time. Okay? a week. Eight that you've identified shouldn't work and why? Okay? If they don't work, you're correct. You're working on being correct. Okay? It isn't, oh, I lost money on the trade. You expected that not to work. You're working on being correct. Focus on being right. Okay? Focus on being correct. If you're correct on the two that do work and you're correct on the eight that don't, okay? Expect to be wrong 98% of the time on the news plays. Okay, that is an expectation. Okay, of me. I mean, I mean, and, and please understand, getting better at that will mean you're you're only wrong 95% of the time. Okay, um, don't don't worry. That's that's the expectation. Okay, so you're right on schedule if you're right most of the time on the two that are supposed to work, and you're right most of the time on those that weren't supposed to work. Okay, and you're wrong most of the time, which is the expectation of achievement um, on the news plays, you'd be right on schedule. But you do practice trades on those. So yes. you don't want us to do the practice trades on the news trades, looking at the charts and doing... You're not to look at trades. charts on those. No, those are just news, just strictly news, as if you were in your car and you heard the same news, okay. making the trade, no, no charts involved. Okay? The only chart trades are, they're 10 a week. Two that are fat pitch or home run fat pitch, and eight that are not fat pitch or home run fat pitch that you don't expect to work, and, and you've identified why your, your reason why they shouldn't work. Those are the only chart trades. Now, it, just as it says at the, at the bottom of that success email, you can increase any of those as far as then the number that you're doing. Okay, but those are the minimums: the 30 practice news plays the two practice home run fat pitch trades and the eight practice trades that are not supposed to work. That's 40 a week. And you, you will do so well over time by making sure you do at least that minimum. And then you can increase any of those as you, as you, as, as you want to or as you, as you feel comfortable. I mean, you're, you're going to get to the point, um, all of you will be able to go, that trade isn't going to work, that trade, I mean, you, you, you know, eight is all you'll need to do that don't work because you, you get very, 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 very good at realizing that trade's not going to work and that trade's not going to work. And that is just as important as knowing what trades are going to work. Because if you can identify a trade that isn't going to work, you're going to leave it alone. And um, the the Part of the, the, the point of being successful in the market isn't just the making of the money, but it's also in keeping the money that you made. And where a lot of people have become unsuccessful in the market is because they can't, they haven't developed the ability to identify a trade that isn't good. They do 
crappy trades. And they rush into crappy trades typically after they've made a great trade. And it's got to be so ingrained, second nature to you, that it would be like, I mean, as an adult, none of you would grab a hold of a pan that's been sitting on the, the hot stove. You wouldn't grab a hold of that pan. You, you just, as an adult, I mean, we've been burnt enough touching something that's hot. We know we're going to get a pot holder or something to grab a hold of that pot because it's hot. We don't want to burn our hand. Okay. Well, if you've practiced enough of those to know that's a crappy trade, you won't do that trade with real money. So you do the good trades and you leave those alone. And, and, and it, isn't, it, isn't, it isn't on purpose, but mentally you, you laugh at people down the road that are doing those trades and you know they weren't instructed to do that. They were instructed to practice and they didn't practice or they wouldn't be doing those real money trades. And you sit there and go, you, I mean, you just hear them. You hear them talk about it and you just go, you didn't do what you were told to do. I mean, in your head, you, 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 you laugh at them because they didn't do what they were told to do. And you've got to do that practice so that you don't step up, you know, and do something that you know would, would, won't work most of the time. And it's about knowing those. If you realize that, do the math um, all of you got the, the, in the manual the, the trading projection, you know, that trading projection was achieved by doing eight trades a month. Not eight a day, not eight a week, but eight quality trades a month. And most of you, most students, try to do eight trades a week, let alone just eight trades a month. And there just aren't a lot of high-quality trades out there. There's always eight in a month, always, okay? But there's rarely eight in a week. And so it, it gets to a point of, of realizing that you don't have to do it a lot if you'll just do it well and to recognize what isn't good. So it's important to do that just as it's instructed, but do those practice trades. Question number 21. Trading with the market. In my practice plays for the last four to six weeks, I, knock on wood, have been doing fairly well. But I find after looking after the trade's completed, I go back and look to analyze it, and I see that the market has done the exact same thing as my play that I, I did. So if I was buying calls, the market went up those three days. Is that something that you see in your trades, or am I just... I feel like I just have dumb luck right now. Well, I don't know. I, I want my trades to go with what the market's doing. Correct. But I don't know what the market's going to do. You better I mean, be I, looking at the Dow chart <laughs> so that you know what the market's doing. I am, but... If you, then, then, then you're doing what the market's doing. So I should, over the next 10 years, I should be able to, I should see the same trend that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And, and, the, and the point is, I mean, really, think about it. Why would you want to go against what the market is doing? Oh, you don't? It's so much harder to make money there. That is, I mean, th there are going to be trades that are like that from time to time. Okay? But you want the vast majority of your trades to be doing what the market is doing instead of fighting that. You know? It's so much easier to make money. And it, 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 to me, it's just, again, funny. I don't know what else to call it. Sad um, when I hear students that are going, well, you know, I, I got this chart that's going up. I know the whole market's going down, but I, this one is going up. Why don't you find the one that's going down with the market? 
because, I mean, it's just going to be bleeding red right there, which, again, if you're in a put, bleeding red is good, you know. And, and so why would you want to fight that flow that's going to be making you money, you know? There are going to be those that are out there, and everybody's going to do them from time to time. But you don't want to make a steady diet of that. You want to see your trades doing what the market is doing. And you want to make sure that you're looking at the future charts, and you're looking at the Dow and the NASDAQ charts to see what the market is doing, doing what the market is doing with your trades. So much easier to make money there. The market's making you money. If you work that way, instead of going against it, it's, it to me, it's so ridiculous to go against that flow. You know, um, that you also have to be cognizant, looking at the bigger charts of places where the market is going to stop doing what it's been doing. You know, and, and, and you talked about coming down, you know, w watching the Bollinger Bands, okay? And if we're on the bottom Bollinger Bands and all your indicators are on the bottom about to turn up on the Dow, then, you know, I would think the market's probably about to go up, you know? So I need to be looking for trades that are about ready to go up and not ready to continue going down. There's a point when down is over with, okay? Just as there's a point when up is over with. And we have the ability to be looking at the charts to see that. Okay, it, it would be great if that was if that was the case in, in all areas of our life, but it, 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 that isn't the case everywhere. You know, um, you know, you just I mean, you, you you're the the uh, parents of of basically one year old triplets. Yes. 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 Now it would be it would be a lovely it, you would love to know when the dirty diapers are going to end. <laughs> Yeah, you, yes, you would. Yeah, you would love to see that chart. Okay, it's at the top of the Bollinger Bands now. Everything is going to be declining from there. It, it would be nice to be able to do that, but we don't get that privilege. We do in the charts. So if you're paying attention to the bigger charts, the, the Dow charts and Nasdaq charts, you can see areas when the market is going to stop going down or stop going up, and then you're going to look for the single stock charts to be doing the same thing. You always want to be focusing the vast majority, 99.9% .9 of your trading with what the market is doing. So much easier to make money there. So much easier to make money there than against it. Question number 22, tracking non-productive practice trades. Not to belabor the point about the practice trades, but I do have one question. When we practice trades that should not work, mm -hmm. I have trouble knowing exactly when to say, I'm done with this one? That's a great question. It's not a problem. Um, a day or two later, they're not working. Okay. You know, again, you wouldn't stay in a trade that wasn't working. Yeah, you know, with real money. Right. You know, so we don't need to watch it. Oh, well, I'm watching. Uh, it's not working. It's not working some more. It's not working some more. It's not working some more. I mean, you know, I mean, you would if it was a real trade, you would have closed a trade already. It would have been over with. So you've got to do that same thing with that practice trade, knowing that okay, I've been wrong already, which means I was right. Correct. I need to be calling this one done and moving on. It's it's about right now. And use the charting discipline as far as which decision chart you use to know about how long you might That's exactly stay. right. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, right now. It's not working right now. It's over with right now. 
You know, you don't want to watch it get worse. You do not want to get in the habit of watching it get worse, watching it get worse, watching it get worse. You know, you pick this to not work. It's not working tomorrow. Okay? You've been right long enough. Okay? Okay? Call it done and get out of there. Okay? Because you would on a regular trade. So you want to develop that habit. You don't want to develop the habit of let's watch it get worse and watch it get worse and watch it get worse and watch it get worse. You don't want to develop that habit. So watching it get worse, which is what you expected it to do on a trade that doesn't work, mm-hmm. as soon as it's not working, you close that trade. You're done with that. You're right. Chalk it up as being right. The thing that you want to focus on is why didn't it work? Okay. That's what you're to learn. You're focusing on being correct. But make sure you focus on why it didn't work. What did you identify that said this won't work? Because if it doesn't help you to know in the future which ones won't work, it was a no. It, it, was, it was a waste of time. Okay? Why isn't it going to work? It's not working tomorrow. It didn't work. Okay? Identify why. What, what did you indicate as why it wasn't going to work? Okay? Remember the why. Mm-hmm. It's about learning from this action. Remember the why. Why? Why was it supposed to work? The home run fat pitch and fat pitch. What, what did you have? Why did this work? Why was it going to work? Okay? This is why. Remember the why. Okay? This isn't going to work. Why? Okay? It doesn't work. Remember the why. Close it tomorrow if it's not working. Question number 23. Trading a 401k. I have a question about um, 401k. I hope I can ask this question. but We'll see. Um, you talked about we could do widows and orphans now, um, if we had money for widows and orphans. If if I have well, well, a careful now. What did I say? If I said you can do widows and orphans when you're comfortable with the technique. Okay. You can identify fat pitch and home run fat pitch and invasion force. Right. Now, understanding all that. Yeah, well, this is going out on CD. We okay. have to make sure they understand okay. all that. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Um, if, if I have money in my 401k and we're building this what is an orphan says a retirement fund, I mean, is there a disadvantage for me to take that money out, although I know it's a penalty, and putting over in my what is an orphans to start? Yes. Okay. Why? It's the dumbest thing in the world. Tell me. Um, closing out the 401k, because the 401k grows tax deferred, Okay. if you do the math, it will cost you millions of okay. dollars over the long haul. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Okay. Millions of dollars. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Okay. Um, the, it is, a 401, is the 401k where you currently work? Or is mm-hmm. it from a previous employer? Yes. Yes to both questions? No. Yes. I, do. I mean, it's I answer just, questions that way. I, I like that. <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. No, it's actually, this, yes, it was where I used to work, and it was a previous employer. But but it is not a current employer. Right. Okay. Now. But what, it's a good stock. It's GE. Yeah, but, it, yeah, and I, and it, it, but see, that's there. a fault. I know, so it can sit there. That's, your IRAs and 401ks should never be a fault. Never. It's the dumbest thing in the world. What you can do is you can roll that money from that 401k to a self-directed IRA at a brokerage service. Okay. Okay. And then you can do, for the most part, um, not pushing options express because you could do this at um, Fidelity Brokerage Service as well. 
But at Options Express, everything that I've taught you in one through five can be done in a self-directed IRA. Oh, really? Okay. So you, you, you get to make a lot more choices on your money in that self-directed IRA. Uh, that 401k could be transferred. All you have to do is call uh, Options Express up and tell them that you have an IRA from a previous employer that you'd like transferred to a self-directed IRA. You still won't have any tax burden because you won't touch the money. Right. The money will go over there and you can grow the money tax deferred um, you know, without you know, penalty to, to you because it's still in that retirement type of an account and you can grow it using all the different techniques that we've covered in the class up to this point. You know, just like you would um, do it if you had the what is an orphans, but it would just be pre-taxed. Exactly right. And, and, and I just you, you wondered because it's kind of sitting over there and we're learning all these techniques. Right. And, and it's kind of crazy saying, not to use it. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do what is an orphans on the money, but you shouldn't close yeah. that out taking it out of a tax-deferred situation. You can't do widows and orphans on the 401k where it is. No, I can't. But you can transfer that 401k to a self-directed IRA at a brokerage service, and you can do widows and orphans on that money there. No question about that. No question about that. And and see the point of what I was talking about as far as um, a 401k or, or IRA shouldn't be a vault. You miss the benefit of the tax deferral, okay? See, I had a lady come up to me in Raleigh class, and she said, oh, let me tell you, I bought this stock for $20 in my IRA. It's now at 100 bucks." She said, isn't that terrific? I said, no, <coughs> that's not good. And she said, what do you mean it's not good? I said, if it wasn't in an IRA, that would be terrific. In an IRA, that's not good. She said, what do you mean? I said, I would have to do that. Okay, in my vault, my vault is a taxable account. So if I buy a stock in the vault at 20 and it goes to 100, it, I'm not selling the stock. So I'm not, because I would have an $80 capital gain I have to take care of. Okay, but in the IRA, you can sell it. You don't have to pay taxes on the gain. So now you can take that whole hundred bucks and you can go buy another stock at twenty and take it up to a hundred dollars. The taxable gain comes when you take the money out, not while you're making it. So you ought to work it. Now you don't have to trade it every day, but you ought to trade in and out of it five, six, eight, ten times a year. You know, putting it in stuff, letting it rise, closing it out, and actually making that account make money for you as opposed to sitting in there like if, if it was a non-taxable account I mean if it was a taxable account you know well if you sold it at 100 and you bought it at 20 you got an 80 dollar capital gains you got to take care of right now okay you don't have that problem in that IRA you don't have that problem in the 401k so it needs to be traded not treated like a vault it doesn't need to be traded five to ten times a month but it needs to be traded, you know, five to ten times a year, so that you actually are just letting benefit. it sit there. Just sitting there, and just it, putting money in. Just, That's exactly what I've been doing for years. Well, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, and it, even even a lot of financial uh, professionals um, never thought it through. I mean, a lot of the financial professionals were told and t told to do what they were taught to do. Period. 
you know, which is, hey, you got to have an IRA. That's true. I think everybody should. If you qualify for an IRA, you ought to have an IRA. No question about that. No question. If you have 401k, you ought to have 401k. No question about that. You ought to max them both out. No question about that because of the tax deferral to the gains. But if you're not making gains with it, you know, it might as well be in a non-tax deferred account. Making gains right now. <laughs> well, but the whole point is to make it make gains isn't just having it in, in, in something that's rising. It's taking that profit, calling it done, and moving it into something else and um, making the money grow. You can make an IRA, 401k, grow as much as you can make it grow, okay? And the taxes are deferred on that. And so it should be in the tax-deferred situation forever, quite frankly. That's what you're you saying. Know? But um, you need to make it grow. And, and you can, you, you, it isn't about buying, you know, you buy GE in the vault. Not in a 401k or IRA, you know, because they should be something that is moving better, something that can be make money off, make of. Money off of. Quick okay? turn it faster. Quicker, yeah. turn, turning it faster. Okay. Whereas a vault is, in a, is should always, a vault should always be a taxable account because you're not selling it. You're buying that, stick it over there, you know, and, and you know, you're going to buy insurance on it, you're going to do Buffett method on it, but you're not going to sell the stock. So it should be a taxable account. But non-tax non or tax-deferred accounts, they, they, they need to be <laughs> traded. They don't need to be traded like a trading leg where five to ten times a month, but they should be traded five to ten times a year and uh, make it make more money and make it make a lot more money, quite frankly. But, uh, yeah, you can, move the, you can move the 401K from an old employer to Options Express in a, in a self-directed IRA. And everything I've taught in one through five can be done on that IRA. I don't know that I would do everything I taught in an IRA, you know, but it all can be done. Like, I wouldn't do a five-minute play in there. But, um, you know, um, anything off of the big charts, Widders, Northern Trades, yeah, no sweat, no sweat, no okay. sweat. Thank you.